You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, if you would take those, look with me to the book of Joshua. We're in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, chapter 3. Grab your sermon notes. And I would ask if you would just keep your Bibles out this morning. I want to take you back to the story a couple different times because we're going to just kind of talk our way through Joshua chapter 3. But today we're, we're talking about this subject, moving into our future. We're in this series, Embracing Our Future, as we're talking about what God has for us as a church family, what He has for your family specifically. And so this morning we're going to kind of bring a conclusion to this series. But as we think about moving in our, into our future, there's, there's certainly a time to pray and there's a time to plan, but at some point, at some point we have to move. We have to put action to our faith. We have to step into the future that God has for us. One of my uh, favorite authors, Pastor Mark Patterson, who pastors a church in uh, Washington, D.C., wrote these words in a book that he's recently published. Listen as I read this. He says, planning without praying is a waste of time. Praying without planning is a waste of energy. So once again, we must pray as if everything depends on God and work as if everything depends on us. It's both and, not, not either or. What we're, we're praying and we're planning, but it's sometime we have to move, right? We want to live our lives dependent on God, trusting in God. But again, at some point, at some point we have, we have to go to work. Oftentimes I think there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect for Christ. There's a disconnect for believers, individuals like yourself, and that we believe God's going to do great things. We believe that God is mighty, but oftentimes we don't move so that he can do the mighty that he wants to do in our lives. It's called a partnership. God's the one who's able, and he's the one who's inviting us to be a part, to be a part of what he's doing. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you follow God's calendar the Jewish calendar, but today is the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. So if we were in the city of Jerusalem today, we would see all these makeshift booths that are set up, and that was part of God's direction to the Hebrews so that they would be able to remember what God did in the past as he brought them out of slavery in Egypt, taking them to the promised land. So they're living in these makeshift huts, booths, to remember, but it's also in this time of year that God said, you need to celebrate the harvest. So it's the fall harvest season, so, so they're giving God thanks as an act of worship for what he's done. But also with the Feast of Tabernacles, it's connected to something in the future. It's a prophetic statement. It's what's happening today, but it's a prophetic picture of what, what's yet to come. Matter of fact, with all of the Jewish holidays, with all of the feasts, there's three different aspects. That, you, know, you can look to the seven different feasts, uh, four in the... Uh, Excuse me, um, three in the spring, four in the fall, or maybe it's four in the spring, three in the fall. I get my numbers mixed. Anyway, it doesn't make any difference, really, when it's all said and done. Uh, But the, the point being, interesting that in these feasts, these holidays that God called the Hebrews to, there's three different aspects. They were doing something in the present to remember something in the past while looking forward to some future prophetic event. As I thought about that, as we're launching, as today's the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, I thought, wow, we're in that same place as a congregation, as a church family. Today we're remembering the past. We're celebrating what God's done while we're embracing the present, while we're believing that God has a greater future for us. But again, 
we have to be willing to partner with God in the process. We can't just sit back and wait for it to happen. And we have a responsibility to move so that God might move mindly in our midst. I came across a great story this past week about a lady, of a lady by the name of Jeannie DiPrano. Jeannie's a committed follower of Jesus Christ. She's a retired school teacher. Uh, presently, she's 81 years old. So think about that. Jeannie's 81. But she began running a, f- a few years earlier. She began to run 5K, 10K races competitively. Um, and then she moved like to indoor track events. She's now the world record holder in the women's 70-year-old age group for the mile and the women's 75-year-old age group for the 400 meters and 800 meters. And like she's not done yet in February, February of this year, uh, Jeannie took on a new challenge, her first indoor rowing competition in classic fashion. She broke the world record in the 80 to 84 age group, rowing 2,000 meters in 9 minutes and 23 seconds. Pretty amazing. I read Jeannie's story. I thought, wow, that's some stamina, right? That's some physical fitness, and especially at at that age. But even more important than her physical fitness and her stamina is Jeannie's attitude and outlook on life. Let me just read a couple sentences from her statement. This is what she said. She said, the thing I'm learning about aging is that it's inevitable. I'm not going to escape it. There are two ways to go. You can either press on or give up. Do I want to go back to age 50 or 40? No, because I I think the best is yet to come. I love that line. The best is yet to come. She's 81. The best is yet to come. When I get to the finish line here on earth, she said, I want this body to be worn out. There's not going to be a thing left in it. I'm not doing this to live to be 100. I'm doing this to be the best I can today. Wow. What an amazing statement. What an awesome outlook on life. Listen, no matter your age, no matter your stage, no matter your season of life, this is what I know today. God has more for you. God has a greater future for you. Listen, the very fact that you're here today tells me he has a greater future for you. Listen, if he didn't, you wouldn't be here. You'd be dead, right? So the very fact that your heart's still beating, that there's still breath in your lungs, tells me that God's not finished with you yet. No matter your age, no matter your stage, no matter your season of life. Listen, God is great. Not only is He great, He has great plans and a great future for you. But to experience the better future or the different future, we have to be willing to let go of where we are so that we can embrace and experience the future that God has for us. Looking there to your sermon notes, if you live in the past, if you live in the past, you'll die to the future. That is a powerful statement. If you would underline that in your sermon notes, if you live in the past, you're going to die to the future. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, if you live in the past, you're going to die to your future. Go ahead and tell them. If you live in the past, you're going to die to your future. You know, oftentimes, oftentimes we keep longing for a better future or a different future while holding on to the past. We, like we desperately want God to create something new for us, but we, we refuse to let go of what was to embrace what could be. And we get stuck in what was, and we miss, we miss what could be. Sad, sadly, we see this reality not only in individuals' lives, but we see it in the church today, the body of Christ at large, the church in the United States. I don't know if you would be aware of this fact, but every month, every month, there's 333 churches in the United States of America that's closing their doors. 
every month. While 83 are being started. So do the math there. We are quickly losing ground. Every month, 333 churches in the United States of America are closing their doors. Now, if you were to study this out, you would find there's a number of reasons why that's happening. But let me tell you the number one reason. The number one reason churches are closing their doors is they got stuck in what God was doing yesterday. They became complacent. And complacency, complacency became the enemy. And eventually they just had enough funerals so there was no one left. They said, hey, we're going to have to close the door. They became complacent. See, I believe, I believe one of the greatest limitations to our future is complacency. We can become comfortable and complacent when we are and not be willing to step out in faith in what could be. Listen, God is not small, but we make him small. Why? Because we get stuck. We're not, we're not willing to move. We take a God who has no limits and we limit him. And you say, how can that be possible? Listen, the children of Israel did it. Psalm 78, verse 41. You can jot that reference down and check it out later. Psalm 78, verse 41. The New King James Version reads like this. Yes, again and again, they tempted God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember His power the day He redeemed them from their enemy. Listen, friends, we don't want to live our lives in such a way that we limit God. We don't want to live our lives in such a way that we become a lid on who He is and what He can do in our lives. We don't become a lid on the future that He has for us. Yeah, I believe that God has a greater future for you, for your family. I believe He has it for our church family. But we have, we have, to, be, we have to be willing to move As we put our faith in God, our dependency on Him, then God does what only He can do. And we see that this morning, this story we're going to look through, Joshua chapter 3. Two weeks ago we were in Joshua chapter 1, and it was there in Joshua 1 that, that we discovered like the passing of the baton of leadership. God says to Joshua, Moses is dead, now it's your time. I want you to lead my people into the land, to inherit the land, the great future that I have for them. Well, as we come to Joshua chapter 3, God's saying to Joshua, it's time to mobilize. It's time to act. It's time to move. It's time to move. It's time to take the first step into the future that I have for the nation of Israel. So let's read about this. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, and they went up to Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out. Notice, move out. From your positions and follow it. Verse 4, then you'll know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Verse 5, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. Tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Verse 8, here's a key verse in the story. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan, Jordan's waters, 
go stand in the river. No, he didn't say go stand by the river, right? He said go stand where? In the river. And it was there, it was there that the miracle happened. So here's the children of Israel. They've been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. For 40 years they'd experienced God's presence, His provision. But God's saying to them at this point, it's time to move. It's time to move into the greater future. Time to move into the land. They, they were going to have to move out in faith to move into the fullness that God had, had for them. Now, God was going to certainly work on their behalf. God was going to bring about His provision. But it required, it required of the children of Israel, again, to move, to act, to step out in faith. You know, oftentimes... Oftentimes, I think we're quoting one of my favorite, we're guilty of quoting one of my favorite verses of Scripture, but then not moving. One of my favorite verses of Scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11, that says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And we quote the verse, but we don't move. We quote the verse, but we don't. And listen, I I believe that's God's word to you this morning. I believe it's God's word to me. I believe it's God's word to us as a church family. That God has greater future, greater plan, greater hope. But with that, folks, we have to move. We have to act. We have to step into that which God has for us. So experience a better future for you personally, for us corporately. We have to be willing to partner with God in the process. So from Joshua chapter 3, the text we read this morning, let me give you some insight. Some insight as to how you as an individual can experience the greater future for us as a congregation, as a church family. How can we experience a greater future? Four statements really quick. The first is this. You have to know that there's a time to pray and there's a time to plan But there's also a time to move. Time to pray, time to plan. But we must be willing to move. We must be willing to put our faith to action and follow God. Look look, look back to verse 3. Joshua chapter 3, verse 3. Notice what God says to Joshua. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out. If you have your own Bibles, underline those two words. Move out. What are we going to do? We're going to move out from your positions and follow it. So to get to the future, to possess the promised land, the children of Israel had to move it. Listen, they couldn't stay where they were and at the same time experience the future God had for them. They couldn't stay where they were and experience the dynamic of what God wanted to do in and through their lives. Their time for talking was over. It was time to mobilize. It was time to, it was time to take action. Now, I'm all for praying. I I begin my day every day with prayer. Throughout the day, I pray. I think we should live our lives connected to God. I think that's healthy. So I believe in prayer and I also believe in planning. I think one of the greatest tragedies for the body of Christ, the church at large today, is most churches don't have a plan. It's like, well, let's show up and let's just see what God's going to do. Why don't you pray and see what God wants to do? And why don't you get a plan to put it into action? So listen, I'm all for praying and I'm all for planning. Again, let me say, I'm all for praying. Don't go away from here saying, well, our pastor's against prayer. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm all for prayer, but one of the things I've discovered, I've been in church all my life, and one of the things I've discovered about Christians, obviously not you, it's the folks at the other service, but this is the problem they have. Oftentimes we make prayer, or we use prayer as an excuse. Think about it. This is how it works out. I come up to you and I say, hey, God's doing something great. God's at work. Why don't you come and be a part of it? And you say, I'll pray about it. Now, I think that's great. I think you should pray about it. Because not every good thing is a God thing, right? You should pray about it. So I wait about three days and I circle back and I say, hey, God's at work. He's doing something great. Why don't you come and be a part of it? And you say, I'll pray about it. Now, again, I respect the process, so I give you seven days. Seven days later, I circle back and I say, hey, God's at work. He's doing something great. Why don't you come and be a part of it? And you say, not you, but the other folks say, I'll pray about it. And we get stuck in prayer. We allow prayer to become an excuse to keep us from moving. Listen, there's a time to pray. Hear me, friends. There's a time to pray. And there's a time to, pray. There's a time to plan. But at some point, you have to move. At some point, at some point you have to take action. I think we should seek the heart of God so we know the will of God so that we can carry out the work of God. And we're going to seek God's heart so we can know His will so that we can do His work. Prayer and planning without action keeps you stuck in the past. Now, James 2.17 says this, Faith without actions is dead. Or we could say it like this, faith without actions keeps you stuck in your life. So the first thing we, we need to pick up from this story is there's a time to pray, there's a time to, there's a time to plan, but at some point we have to move, we have to mobilize, we, we have to take action. Here's the second point of insight that's necessary to experience a greater future, it's this, we have to be willing to step into the unknown knowing we have the help of the one who knows. I'm stepping into the unknown. I don't know, but guess who does know? God. Because God knows I don't have to know all of the details. Stepping into the unknown. Then we have the help of the God with whom all things is possible. Stepping into the unknown, yet I'm following the lead of the one who knows. Notice what God says to Joshua and the children of Israel in Joshua chapter 3 verse 4. He says, then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. Interesting. In other words, he's saying to Joshua and the children of Israel, he says, you're going into uncharted territory. You've never been this way before. You've never had this experience before. What does that mean? It means they're going to have to trust God. It means they're going to have to depend on God. It means they're going to have to, to, to look to God. It will require faith on their part. They didn't have all the details of the journey. They didn't know exactly how God was going to help them defeat the enemy. They didn't know exactly how God was going to help them get across the Jordan River. There was a whole lot they didn't know. But God says, hey, I'm taking you to a place you've never been before. You're going to have to trust me. I think what we find here for the children of Israel is how God works with us and through us most of the time. He invites us into the unknown. He invites us into opportunities in which we don't have all the details. We don't have all the answers. He invites us and he says, trust me. Depend on me. Look to me. Lean on me. 
Now, because we're human, we would like to know all the details, right? Because we're human, we would like to know the plan before we step into the plan, right? Because we're human, we would like to have all of the provision we need before we step into the opportunity. I mean, we want the, we want the full plan. We want all the facts before we move. But listen, folks, that's not how God works. Again, God brings revelation. God brings opportunity. And this is what he says. Trust me. Follow me. Depend on me. I, I think of this whole campaign that we're entering into. We're building two buildings on two different campuses. We've got $10 million, something like that. And in this process, I've had a, a number of you have asked me questions like, okay, how are we going to get from here to there? And I say, I don't know. Where's all the money going to come from? I don't know. What about the details of the building? I don't know that either. You're asking, well, what do you know? I don't know much. (laughs) But I know the one who's in control. I know the one who said it's time to move. This is what I know. God has a tendency of calling us to step into the unknown. They say, here's the opportunity. And we say, God, how about some more details? And he says, no, just trust me. Might I remind you that this is not called the journey of fact. It's called the journey of faith. Again, we want to we analyze it. We want to figure it out. We want the 52-step plan. And God said, no. Trust me. He said, I'm, I'm leading you way you've never gone before. As it was to the children of Israel. So it, so it, is, so it is for us. Listen, we might not know what tomorrow holds, but we know the one who holds tomorrow. And if we're willing to follow God's lead and and step into the unknown, and if we're willing to do the little things like they're big things, then God's going to do the big things like they're little things on our behalf. Here's Here's the third insight about experiencing a greater future. Preparation precedes experiencing God's power and provision. Preparation precedes possession. I've said that throughout the series. I think it's critical. And we get ourselves ready. Notice verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. Tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. In other words, God, in other words, Joshua was telling the people to get get yourselves prepared for what God's going to do. There was a spiritual preparedness that was necessary to experience the dynamic of God. They had to get themselves ready so that God might work on their behalf. So the challenge was to consecrate themselves. Now consecrate, this word consecrate is not a word that we use a lot today in our vocabulary, but it's a really good word. We don't go around saying, well, I just consecrated myself, bless God. Or, well, I just I did some consecration this morning. So we don't use the word much, but it's a, really, it's a really good word because it addresses issues of the heart. Consecration is about the heart. It's about dealing with stuff in my life so that I can position myself so that God can work in my life and through my life. It would be the same for you. Looking there to your notes, the act of consecration reveals the principle that God will not act powerfully on behalf of his people if we're not inwardly, inwardly clean and aligned to his will. So as we consecrate ourselves, what are we doing? We're addressing the issues of sin. 
we're addressing this stuff in our lives. How many of you know we have stuff in our lives? If you can't raise your hand for yourself, do it for your neighbor. You know they have stuff. Well, we all have stuff in our lives. That's what I know. Well, because we're human. Sin. And sin becomes a lid. Sin becomes a limiting factor. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Jot that verse down. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says this. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear. But your sins, your iniquities have separated you from him so that he will not hear. Sin, the stuff, unconfessed sin, becomes a lid. Here's a word picture for you. This is kind of the way I see it playing out. Have you ever been like washing your car on a hot summer day, got the water hose all stretched out, water's kind of flowing out, and then all of a sudden there's no water? Any of you ever had that experience? There's no water. What happened? And you look back and there's a kink in the hose. The hose got twisted. And because the hose is twisted, because there's a kink in the hose, there's no longer a flow of water. The source of water is stopped. Why? We got a kink in the hose. And so you go and you unkink the hose and all of a sudden, what? There's a free flow of water. What? You remove that which hindered the flow. In our lives, if we're not careful and cautious, sin can become that that is the kink in the hose. That's why Joshua would say to the children of Israel, hey, get yourself spiritually prepared. Consecrate yourselves. In other words, confront, confess, repent. Confront, confess. That should be an ongoing process in your life. Let me tell you why. Because you mess up. Not that I've been following you around watching your life. I just know you. You mess up. So we're going we're gonna to confront, we're going to confess, we're going to repent. We're going to confront, we're going to confess, we're going to repent. Listen, it's the ongoing process of our lives. Why? We're consecrating ourselves so that the flow is not stopped. First John 1 John 1.9 says this, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to unkink the hose in our lives. I, obviously, I just paraphrased that, but to what? That we might be in right relationship with Him. Listen, as we humble ourselves before God, not only will He cleanse the stuff of our lives, but He'll work in and through our lives. Consecration is the necessary preparation to keep our lives open and responsive to God. This brings us to the fourth and final insight for experiencing the greater future that God has for yourself or our church family. And it's this, you have to follow God's direction and step out of your comfort zone into the faith zone. From comfort zone to faith zone. Now if we're all honest this morning, and we should be because we're in church, we like our comfort zone, don't we? We like hanging out where we're all just relaxing and we're comfortable and we're all just happy, Right? Just that place of comfort. We're not being stretched. We're not being challenged. Life is just good, right? We like the comfort zone. But can I tell you, if you choose to hang out in that place of comfort and you're not taking the step of faith, you're going to miss much of what God has for you in your life. You're going to miss much of the future that God has. We, we must be willing to step from the comfort zone into the faith zone. Notice what God told Joshua in verse 8. 
Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Notice what the verse says. Get in the water. Not stand by the water, not speak to the water, but get in the water. That's interesting. If you look on down to verse 15 of the same chapter, the scripture tells us that the river Jordan was at flood stage. Have you ever seen a river at flood stage? Water coming up over the banks moving fast so this is not like some nice little gentle stream no the river's at flood stage and god says to the priest hey get in the water in other words they had to move from a place of comfort to a place of faith the miracle of the parting of the jordan making way for the children of israel to walk over into the promised land didn't happen until they got in the water And it was there, it was there that the miracle happened. Listen, sometimes you have to get into the water before the miracle happens. If if you just play it safe and you choose to stay dry, you're going to miss much of what God has for you. Can you do that? Sure you can. Can you live a boring life? Absolutely you can. By choice. By just staying comfortable. But the priests, what? They had, to, they had to get into the river. See, I, I believe that God's setting you up for divine appointments. And, and I believe He has divine opportunities. But if we're going to experience divine appointments and divine opportunities, then we have to be willing. We have to be willing to get into the water. You know, there's a consistent pattern in Scripture that we see where God does His greatest works. And whenever I see a consistent pattern in Scripture, I take note of that. It's like, whoa. That must be kind of how God works. And so there is a consistent pattern for those who experience the miraculous, who experience the greater future. There's there's really five steps. The first is there's always a call. God, God looks to some ordinary individual like yourself and he calls you to an extraordinary opportunity. We might say an invitation. The second, the, second that's all, the second part of this that is always there is fear. How many of you know that sometimes God just scares you to death? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. He calls you way, way out of your comfort zone. He scares you. And well, God, that's much bigger than I am. God says, I know. That's why I'm taking you that direction. Because I'm going to reveal myself to you and through you in the process. So there's a call. There's fear. The third, the third thing that's in this consistent pattern, the third thing is there's always reassurance. God says, I'm going to be with you. My presence. I'm going to bring my provision. The fourth is there's always a decision. Are you going to stay dry or are you going to get in the river? Are you going to play it safe or are you going to follow God? There's a decision to be made. Then fifthly, there's always a changed life. Because someone was willing to get into the river, they've experienced God work in and through their lives in amazing ways. They've had an encounter with God that's changed who they are, how they live, how they think, how they find. There's a changed life. So there's a call, there's, there's fear, there's reassurance, there's a decision, and there's a changed life. Now, I believe that this pattern from Scripture continues even today. I think this is how God works. Just like he did in Joshua chapter 3. He says, hey, I've got a greater future for you. Now, you're going to have to get in the river. You're going to have to step in. You're going to have to take 
a leap of faith, to move from the comfort zone to the, to the faith zone. Possibly today, God's calling you. Maybe there's an area of your life where you know God's spoken, you know God's prompted. Maybe it's in relation to your work, maybe it's a business idea, maybe it's something that seems so gi- ginormous that, you, like, um, I think I just made that word up, ginormous. I don't know if it's a word, but it's a good word. That's so ginormous, it's just, it scared the living daylights out of you. And you've been frozen in that place. Because it, it's so much bigger than you. And Right. Again, God calls us to do things that's bigger than us so that we'll come to discover who He is. If not, you know what we do? We live in what we can do. And so we experience how wonderful we are and we never get to experience how great God is. We go, around, we go around telling our story rather than telling his story. Why? Because we chose to live in what we could do. So for some of you this morning, I don't know what the situation might be in your life, but possibly God's been prompting you and he's been calling you and, and there's this fear factor like you're scared to death and you should be because it's so much bigger than you are. And if God doesn't show up, you're in trouble, but he will show up if you get in the river. This is what I know. My God is faithful. That's what I know. And he'll meet you in that place and he'll do what only he could do. Listen, Joshua couldn't, Joshua couldn't part the river. Only God could part the river. But what does he require? He required the, the priest to get into the water. To come out of their comfort zone. Into their faith zone. As you step in with faith, it opens the way for God to do only what he can do. So now God is a God who parts the Red Sea and dries up the Jordan so his people can move into a greater future. Listen, don't make God small. Don't put a lid on God. Don't put a limit on God. Be willing. Be willing to live your life in such a way that it opens the way for God to bring His greatness. Don't be satisfied. Hear me, friend. Don't be satisfied with just living safe. Because God has more. God has a greater future. That's what I believe for your, for you, for your family, for your marriage. So step into it. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed how God shows up to do only that which He can do. Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you this morning for this story recorded for us in Scripture that stirs our hearts, that helps us see the possibility of what of what could be. God, I, I, I thank you that we don't have to live in what was. We can live in what can be. Lord, you've done great things in the past and we celebrate that. But Lord, today we refuse to camp out there. We're not going to stay there. God, we're willing to get into the river. As you invite. Lord, I just believe. As we're willing to step out in faith. Into the unknown without all the facts, without all of the details. And we're willing to step into the river because you've invited us there. God, it's there that I believe that you'll bring your greatness. With every head bowed and eye closed, possibly you're here today and God's called you. He's, he's invited you into a divine opportunity. He's invited you into something that's bigger than yourself. Maybe it's in your work. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in... A situation where your finances, I don't know what it might be, but you know exactly who you are. I'm talking to you right now. The Holy Spirit's already prompted your heart.
You're in a situation where God's saying you need to get into the river and you've been scared to get in the river. Fear has been a limiting factor. But you know today God's saying, take the next step. Listen, we don't have to have all the answers. All we have to do is take the next step. And we take the next step. And we take the next step. And it's there that God reveals Himself and He does, again, that which he, only He can do. So if you're here today and you would just say, hey, that's me, in my life, in my family, maybe in my business, in our business, I know there's a step I need to take and I, I've been stuck, I've been complacent. And I want prayer, prayer that I'd have courage to take the next step. If that's you, would you raise your hand really quick? Really quick, really quick. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Lord, I, I pray. Lots of hands on the main floor and the balcony. God, I pray for my friends today. Lord, first of all, I thank you that you love us enough to invite us into the river. Wow. That you so want to reveal yourself to us that you invite us into places, Lord, where we will have to live our lives desperate for you. Lord, I, I pray for my friends who just raised their hand. God, I don't know the situations, their finances and their work in that um, situation. But Lord, I pray that as you have called them, Lord, they would be willing to take that step. Lord, there's a time for praying. There's a time for planning. But there, there is that time when we have to move. Lord, may they have the courage to take the next step. And then the next step. And the next step. Now, as they do that, I thank you for what you're going to do in their lives, in their relationships, in their homes, in their business. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.